This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Hey, uh, you know what? Right out of the gate, I just want to start off by saying thank you to everybody that attended our simple seminar on Thursday evening. Awesome, uh, great turnout, and fabulous to have everybody there. It was a real pleasure to meet everybody, and you know, amazing how many listeners here to News Talk 1010 uh, joined us. So I just want to thank you very much for joining us. It was great to uh, to meet everybody, and uh, we haven't got the next one planned yet, but don't worry, I'll keep you up to date when we decide when we'll run our next seminar. Of course, coming up into the summer months, we know everybody's busy, and quite frankly, most people don't want to take a Thursday evening off. There's way more things to do, the little league swimming lessons and perhaps some cottage time. So you know what? We'll definitely keep you up to date on what's going on here at The Simple Investor. But more importantly, what is happening in the world of real estate in the GTA area? You know, some stuff coming out this week where even though we have seen uh, an upswing in the number of listings, which we kind of expected and anticipated, um, we are actually seeing still pricing going up. Uh, how about uh, new detached homes now selling for $1.8 million as kind of a starting point. So the truth is, is that some of the builders are still able to take advantage of this hot market. And I don't know if it's that people are now shifting over saying, we just want to buy new because it seems like it's the new builders that are really able to take advantage of still a hot market. Or is it the fact that we've got some, uh, some of the banks and some of the lenders out there that are getting a little bit more aggressive. I don't know if you caught it this week, but HSBC really wants to get competitive. Something floating around for a five-year fixed mortgage in around that 2.3, 2.4 range for a five-year fixed mortgage. Folks, that is incredible, incredible rates. And once somebody starts it, it'll be interesting to see how many people want to get competitive with that. Interest rates are one of those things that uh, you know we've talked in length about over the years. And we always see a little bit of that drop in the rate because people, especially in the spring, because we know people want to be competitive. So the banks will get competitive with each other, wanting to take a bigger piece of the market. And they know that normally we're talking talking about the high times in real estate. Whenever we look through the months of April, May, June, July, August, uh, you know, everybody getting ready for the new school season, this is the time to be borrowing, you know, switching houses, maybe even refinancing. So this is one of those things. So we're going to keep an eye on the banks and I'll try to keep you up to date weekly on where people are with rates. You know, some of the banks reporting some pretty decent earnings. Uh, Bank of Canada staying pat at 0.5, you know, from Prime. And, And when we take a look at that, you know, we got to start thinking to ourselves, okay, they announced um, they announced this week that they don't see anything happening for another year. So maybe spring 2018 is where, depending on the economy, if we're going to see some upward pressure. Now, of course, you and I all know that this could change at a moment's notice. You know, numbers could jump up, they get heat on it, and maybe they turn around and move the rates. But right now, it doesn't look like the market's going in that direction. Uh, for us here at Simply Real Estate, one of the things I've got to do is monitor the, the market trend 
trends, what's going on. And I got to tell you, I think interest rates are going to stay put for a little while. Uh, Canadian economy is kind of sputtering along, not really getting legs in some markets. And so, you know, we might see it. And you never know what our friendly neighbor down south of us, Mr. Trump, is going to do. But you know what? I'm pretty sure he'll piss everybody off and something will happen in the markets. But we'll wait and see how that plays out over the summer. Anyways, speaking of the summer, coming into the summer market, remember, this is high time for everybody to move. And if you're just putting your house in the market, watch your closing date. Because one of the things that most people aren't aware in real estate is that everybody thinks at the end of the month is when they're going to close. So the biggest transactional days are always the last Friday of June, last Friday of July. Uh, Those are the biggest closing dates. And what happens is that you get a lawyer that can't handle your closing or movers for that matter aren't available. So if you're going to move If you're able to, pick the middle of the month. First of all, you're going to have more uh, options to be able to pick movers, lawyers, and the people that are going to be required to uh, take care of your transaction. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at your closing date, because a lot of people keep thinking, no, end of the month, end of the month, end of the month. Well, that might get you almost with no movers and lawyers that perhaps you don't want to work with or that cannot work with you because they've just got too much on their plate. So keep that in mind when you're looking at closing. And, uh, you know, like I said, here we are, you know, we're, we're full steam, you know, almost at the end of May. The market is strong, seeing a little bit more inventory. Are you feeling it in your neighborhood? Well, I've noticed that, yes, the houses are still selling. They're just taking that extra week or two. So I'm not really surprised at that. Now, what about inventory? Well, you know what? I'm going to have, I'm going to be joined by my next guest and we're going to talk about something that the Liberal government's done to change what's going on in the market. So joining me now is Greg Bennell from BNN. He's a host and anchor. He's uh, been with us uh, quite a few times and always great to get his perspective. And uh, Greg, welcome back to the show. Always uh, great to be here. You know, always a pleasure having you on. Um, Got to tell you... You know, you and I, I, I swear, we can sit at the, the water cooler and laugh. Um, you know, I think every single week we have a good chuckle. Um, the Liberal government stepping in it again, except this time on their shoe is the OMB. This one is interesting considering where we are where we are right now. Not only in the city of Toronto, but that whole Golden Greater Horseshoe area where we're talking about, do we have the right kinds of homes? Why are prices so high? Uh Ontario Municipal Board, I mean, it's been controversial forever, right? And Ontario, the Ontario government now say, okay, well, you know what? We've too many planning matters are being appealed to the board. We're going to replace it with a local planning appeal tribunal. Now, basically what this all means is that there'll be less power to overturn this, the decisions that local cities, municipalities are making in terms of their planning. But it's an interesting one, and a lot of people are weighing in on it, and I have to agree with this one. What does this do in terms, we know it tilts the power now in terms of a greater for the cities, but also tilts the power more to the local residents, which on the surface, you know, why not? Why shouldn't people who live in a community have a greater say about what's built in the community? But all the arguments we're hearing, all the things we've heard from the government for the past 10 years is that cities like Toronto need to change their mind about how they build uh, the single-family home, you know, taking up wide swaths of neighborhoods, uh, just can't stand anymore. We need more densification if we're going to actually uh, get people to move to the city and maybe even bring down prices if we got the right mix of homes. But 
if you have a single family home in a big Toronto old established neighborhood with all single family homes around you, how do you feel about that condo going up in your backyard? That's what the developers are worried about now. There's going to be a lot of that nimbyism, right? Not in my backyard. That's a great idea for the other side of the city, but not where I live. So this could get very interesting in terms of as the power shifts, do we actually build the kind of uh, housing that we need in the city, or do local politicians start to fear about getting reelected and start listening to local people and the whole NIMBY movement? Yeah, you know, interesting point, because um, last week we, we were talking to a Ryerson grad student regarding this exact issue that a lot of people, you know, a lot of these homes, mostly owned by the baby boomer generation, you know, they should be five-person homes, only two people living there, so it's almost that, you know, we're not using up enough real estate properly. And when you talk about neighborhoods that you're referring to, you know, we would say that based on the price, we were talking a little bit more affluent people, mm-hmm. which means that, okay, will these people have more money to to be able to fight the situation, hire the right lawyers, hire the right, you know, people that are going to be able to advise. And so if we're talking about, you know, making it a little bit more local, will they be able to influence it more? Now, again, you and I both can agree that, look, if we live, if we've bought our, ourselves into a beautiful old neighborhood with big lots there's a reason for it so are we going to see some people that try to do some land assembly and start saying listen you know we're going to look for a more density so you know you get three lots all of a sudden we turn around and say now we can stick a stick a building on it so do you see this as being one of the troublesome spots I think it's going to be troublesome for the local politicians, right? Because before they had an easy scapegoat. Uh, they could listen. The councillors could hear from their constituents, and they say, we can't believe they put that condo tower up. And the councillor could shrug and say, sorry, the OMB made the decision, not me. Now there's a lot more power on the municipalities. Will they actually stick by the plans that the province and the cities have laid out in terms of what kind of city we need? Uh, I mean, the argument before was that the OMB, uh, when the developers came to the table, they had an unfair advantage because they had the deep pockets to hire the the ex- expert architects, the, the lawyers, everyone they needed, the, the planning experts to come in. But now we're in a situation where, okay, we've talked a lot of talk in these cities, in the city of Toronto, about the kind of uh, city we need, and the kind of planning we need, but as you run up against angry residents who could vote you out the next time around, are you actually going to stand by your by your principles and your words? It's, it's going to be an interesting couple of years, because I, I mean, you and I have discussed this before, at a big crossroads. If Toronto is the world-class city we're told that it is, well, then that means more people are going to rent, more people are going to live in denser accommodations. A lot of really nice neighborhoods in Toronto that are low density and low rise that aren't going to like the sound of that. Yeah, and you know, that that was my, you know, my bone of contention with the whole idea of this is that, you know, there are, do people have a right to be able to have the big property in the world-class city? And of course, it comes down a dollar and cents. Mm -hmm. Or do we have to always be careful and say, well, no matter what, we must be able to have more density. And this is that, that you know, age-old question. If you have the money to do it, is it okay to do it? Or do you now have to meet more of the the idea of the needs of the city versus the wants of the city? Yeah, that's going to be a real tension point. There is one interesting thing in here, one caveat they put in it. There's like sort of this transit corridor provision that it doesn't matter what kind of home you have. If there's a project, a development that the city council has approved is within 500 meters, half a kilometer of a transit station, 
well, then they can borrow those challenges. So that will be interesting because that's what we're told a lot too, right? If you're building uh, denser kind of buildings, just don't build them in the middle of nowhere. Build them by transit hubs so people can live in those denser accommodations. They can get on a subway. Uh, they can get on some light rapid transit and get themselves to work. So there is that provision there. So that'll stop that kind of nimbyism. But uh, yeah, because I mean, you feel for those people. If you've lived in a beautiful home and uh, you bought it for a reason in that neighborhood and then the city changes, maybe you're not ready for the change. But, you know, things always change. <laughs> Well, listen, uh, Greg, always great having you on. I'm pretty sure this is something that you and I are going to be watching for a little while, and we can have lots of discussions on. So thanks. Well, it's going to be an interesting couple of months after this uh, finally gets passed through the legislature and an interesting couple of years to yeah. see how things actually develop in, in these cities across, and it's across the province, too. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, Greg, thanks. Always a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, thanks. Folks, that was Greg Bunnell, and he is host and anchor at BNN. And hey, listen, when I come back... I'm going to be joined by Mike Chesahosky, and he is the Executive Vice President of CBRE Limited. And we are going to be talking about where the next real estate boom may be. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. So, what? where do you think we're going to have the next big boom in the market? You know, right now we take a look at condominiums. They seem to be going through the roof, literally. Uh, residential has been going crazy in the GTA for years now. But where's the big you know, the big nut that's going to come next. Well, you know what? Joining me right now is the vice president of CBRE Limited. uh, It is Mike Chestahosky. And Mike, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Um, So when uh, when I introduced this segment, as you heard me, um, one of the things that a lot of people now are, I think, talking in the wings is the fact that the idea of commercial and industrial is going to start, you know, gaining some interest and speed. Uh, can you tell our listeners, you know, is this something that we're looking at? Is this going to be the next hub? Yes, we believe so. Uh, our vacancy rates are at all-time lows. We're into the single-digit vacancy rates, both for industrial and office across the board. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of building, and it's going to continue that. So the larger tenants are being forced to build what we call build-to-suits. Right in order to get larger type of space for the industrial users. You know, it was interesting because, you know, watching some of the articles, there's a lot of mindsets, I think, for some of these major corporations where they're, you know, changing your typical work areas. And all we've seen over the last few years are condominiums being built, you know, residential, you know, end user to live in. But as you said, um, not a lot of new construction for corporations and head offices and just, you know, general office use. Um, how are they going to fit it in? You know, when we when we take a look at the landscape here in Toronto, is there any buildable area that anybody's actually contemplating to throw up, you know, like a new office tower as opposed to a new condo? Uh, certainly the city has designated lands in certain areas for uh, mixed use type of development or strictly office. So those areas will be built as office in the suburban outer core. 
we still have land available and reuse for older buildings that are going to be torn down and built on to a higher density. So when when you say, you know, buildings being torn down, so are we going to see some old, I mean, you know, if people drive up the 427, there used to be a couple of old apartment buildings that they ended up vacating, knocking down and rebuilding. Is this something we're going to see more of even in the, you know, more of an industrial commercial way of doing things? I believe so. So you get into some of these older office and industrial buildings and they don't seat, uh, they don't suit today's tenant. So they will be torn down. They're low clear heights, tight turning radiuses. They're not the buildings that people want today. So what you know what what can we look at? And and, and you know we, we touched on it there for a minute. But you know, when we talk about um, and again being being with CBRE, you um, you know your 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 company. I mean, it's probably one of the biggest I think uh, in in Canada or at least the world. When, yes. you know, as far as dealing industrial commercial, but you also do a lot of land accumulation, which means that you know. They, the end result can be residential as well. So you do represent, you know, a lot of builders, developers when purchasing land. Um, where is it going to stop? You know, because we look at Toronto, you know, we know that uh, all sorts of municipal boards are looking at it saying, you know, we need to increase density because we can't go out. So we got to go up. Where is Toronto going to stop? Because, I mean, if we look at it right now, you know, you almost think, you know, so all of a sudden a building comes out of nowhere and you look at it and say, how did that fit in? Like, is there is there that much more usable and buildable land in the GTA or the rumor that says we, you know, we're, we're stuck, um, you know, where where is it at? I think you're going to see, you don't see parking lots anymore downtown. No. <laughs> no, we, we don't see parking lots that we can build on very easily. Right. Are we going to be tearing down buildings? C-class office, old retail, old industrial to make a bigger and better building? Yes. You know, I think I've been in the business 30 years. My partners are all in their 30s. In 10 years, they're going to be selling buildings to tear down. And we're seeing more and more of it in our listings that people are looking at and more than likely there's something on it they have to tear down. Well, you know, off air, you and I were just talking about affordability and, you know, what people are buying. And there's a, there's an expression used, they call it a cap rate. Can you explain that a little to our listeners so they understand? Because it's, it's something that floats around in the ether, but nobody really understands what a cap rate means. Well, let, let's say the building costs a million dollars. Right. So you're going to pay a million dollars cash and the net income after all expenses that the owner of the building would receive, say it was $100,000. Right. So that's a 10% cap. Okay. So where you're going to see a change is the ability to finance that building, what the delta is between the cap rate that going in, and if we can finance at below the cap rate, then you can add to it. So, so you, you can increase the price. Yes. Okay. Generally, we're saying that the cap rate is directly attributable to the net income of the building. Okay. Excellent. Now, in that case, if we talk about Toronto, okay, buildings are being consumed, as you mentioned, you know, there people are buying them up. What is a cap rate in Toronto today when people are looking at buildings? They're they're decreasing on a daily <laughs> basis, and it depends on the quality of the building, what the upside is. Do people feel that the marks are mark uh, market rent is higher than what there is today? Every purchaser thinks they can do a better job of running the building than the previous landlord and make more money. Sure. Uh, if I had to give you a range, two to six percent. 
Two to six. So, because one of, one of the things that obviously we've seen, you know, in residential real estate, we've seen the values run up. And as you know, I trade in more apartment style buildings and we've seen the values go up in those as well, where we start seeing the cap rates. And when we say they're coming down, it means that the price is going up. So people are accepting less of an income. So, um, you know, so they're just, they're looking for returns and placement of it. And, you know, I've heard, I've heard, you know, deals in Toronto, like one and a half to two and a half percent, uh, you know, cap rate. And when they look at those kind of rates, it just doesn't seem like they're getting a lot of bang for their buck. But as you as you mentioned, there's only so much land here in Toronto. And so they're either buying it to, to hold it or buying it to maybe wreck it later. Yes. So, so we're seeing, especially on the apartment side, if you're looking at downtown, a lot of people are looking at future redevelopment of the site. Right. And what's the possibility of doing a new rental building or a new condo building on that site and replacing the rental units. Yeah, good point. Um, I'm going to, uh, when when we come back from the break, I do want you to stay put if you don't mind. We're going to talk a little bit about land assembly because there's a lot of people that seem to be squawking that in areas, you know, throughout Toronto. They're starting to accumulate a few properties and what can some of these neighborhoods look like in the future? So um, I definitely want you to stay put with that. Folks, if you're just tuning in, I've got Mike Chestahoski and he is joining me from CBRE Limited. And he's the executive vice president there. Lots of experience. And uh, today we are talking about a little bit more of a commercial flavor to real estate. Is it the next boom market here in Toronto or has it always been a real stable market? So when we come back, we've got more with Mike and stay with us. You'll be right back to News Talk 1010 and Simply Real Estate. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. So, hey, listen, if you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is Mike Chestahoski. He is Executive Vice President at CBRE Limited. Um, and that, if for the, those of you, you might catch some of the big signs. You'll see them on the big buildings, pieces of land for sale. And uh, they are, by the way, the world's biggest brokerage, commercial industrial broker, and with over 70,000 employees. And Mike, just before the break, you and I were having a chat about, you know, what a cap rate was, kind of establishing, you know, if you pay something, if you if you have a million dollar property, if you have $100,000 worth of income, you're basically looking at a 10% cap rate. But the fact is that values have now gone up so much that, you know, maybe the income's not going up, but the values are going up. So that reduces the number of the cap rate. So, you know, when people say, you know, a high number is good, a low number is bad. I'd kind of agree with that analogy a little. So if you have a if you have a one percent cap versus an eight percent, you definitely want to be on the, the side of the eight percent. Depends if you're selling or buying. <laughs> good point. Yeah. So if you're sitting on income, then uh, we definitely want to be in a, in a little better position. Um, you know, one of the things uh, recently in the news we've been following is the fact that things like in the Kensington market, you know, people are talking about some people doing land assembly. Um, I, I think you probably, I don't even know if you if you folks were part of the deal, but do you remember Stollery's about uh, yes. a year and a half ago when they ended up finally closing? That was a bit of a land assembly there, you know, yes. a couple pieces. And now what are we, what are we going to see there? I think about 80, 80 story buildings. That's what he's there. proposing, just around a million square feet. Wow. Okay. So, but that took 
a while to assemble all that land because you kind of have to get a bunch of different owners to agree to sell. Is this becoming more commonplace? Because I mean, that that was a that would have been a pretty big monopoly move, you know, to, to to wait it out and make sure you had the dough ready for the person that wanted to get in there. It's still a smaller segment of our market. Uh, we'll probably see more and more of it with the lack of larger contiguous pieces of land within the city center. Right. Um, it's very difficult to do and very risky because right. you always have that holdout. Yeah. <laughs> There's always that one person that knows better. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, coming up through the residential ranks for years and years uh, when I was with uh, Remax, um, one of the things that you could see out in the Mississauga area that you'd see a development being built and then you'd see just this strip of land with this old farmer's house and then beside him was another development and he was that holdout and just would never, never sell. In fact, even today, you know, 25 years after the fact that the subdivision, his house is still there. You kind of think to yourself, okay, is it going to be worth anything now? Because they've, they've kind of gone around them and said, okay, forget it. You're just a thorn in our side. It depends on the property. Each one has to be looked at individually. We have seen situations like that where people held out, and then the value is a fraction of what they could have got during the assembly. Yeah. So, you know, rationale has to come into play. Yeah, and and that's I, I think that's one of the messages I'm hoping that you can uh, can give to our listeners today is the fact that there is greed out there, and everybody thinks you know if if you ever look at uh, you know people's philosophy, it's like you know you know my property is worth X, but you know if I buy it, it should be worth Y, and so you start playing with numbers. There's got to be a time that if and especially in a land assembly, there's got to be that opportune moment where they say, okay, now it's time to sell, because you know the developers are just going to work around them. Very often you have to look at what the development holds and what the advantage to the developer is to include your property and what it is to yourself. A lot of times there's a big advantage to selling with the developer because the combination of the two properties, it's a lot higher value for both parties. So you you end up receiving more money. Mm -hmm. That holdout, if you end up having a property you can't develop individually, then it's, it's, it's a lot less money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as we were saying, uh, you know, uh, the potential boom in the commercial uh, industrial market, um, I, I, I think it's there already. I, th- I think it's just been, you know, not as advertised, perhaps. Uh, you were saying that vacancy uh, is now coming down a lot in the, you know, business sector as far as offices. Um, do we see a lot of corporations still wanting to come into Ontario? Do we see them building up, you know, increasing the number of employees? Like, is there that much of a demand for the office space? In, in terms of people moving in, that's always a segment of the market. The biggest growth is is our corporations that are already here. Mm-hmm. And there is a move for some of these companies to move back into the city center. So they may be sitting in suburban type of locations, maybe more than one location, and they want to consolidate into one uh, building. And a lot of times it, it is going coming downtown. You know, I was going to ask you, are you seeing a new wave in the marketplace of the really huge warehousing? Because now we're starting to see a lot of distribution. So you have the Amazons in the world, the Walmarts of the world, you know, they're doing a lot of online shopping. So 
they're c- taking a little bit more to the outer markets because you know land is a little bit cheaper. But you know they're building millions of square feet for storage, warehousing, and shipping facilities. Um, is this something we're going to continue? Is it, is this kind of a new, I guess, a new way of life? Because you know right now we're finding that you know there's your typical stores. Some of them they're saying you know maybe some of the stores are going to shut down because more people are going online. So are we are we going to see more of these massive warehouses being built? Logistics warehouses is is something that for the bigger users, the ones that are over half a million square feet, right. those are the biggest demand. Manufacturing, of course, is is not the same growth that the, the warehousing is. What we're going to see is also warehouses on a smaller scale downtown again. Really? We're starting to see it in the States, and you're going to see stacked warehouses downtown because people like Amazon and the other people that want last-minute delivery have to have locations, smaller locations, downtown to service the people down here. So stacked warehousing. So they're going to, they're you know, if they're looking at the 12 or 18-foot clear height, then they're going to have like four or five levels, maybe with some form of elevator system in it yes. so for shipping and that. Which we used to have on King Street. Yeah, I was just going right. to say, you know, we, did, did we already have those? And most yes. of them got converted to lofts or something? That's right. They're all, they're all tech office space now. Right. Wow. But I do believe in the outer ring around downtown in order to service the businesses and the people down here. We're going to have those people coming back and needing those warehouses to deliver their goods last minute. Yeah. So then I guess the toss up is, is that, is it better for residential or is it better for warehousing? Because again, you know, that huge attraction to areas like the distillery district and and King Street, as we just mentioned, you know, a lot of it became, became very kitschy. You know, everybody wanted to turn around and, you know, have the two story loft to live in. And so a bunch of warehouses got converted. Um, how are they going to turn around? I mean, is this back to the idea that we're going to repurpose some of these properties, you know, add on, knock down? Uh, is that going to be the solution? I think we're going to knock down some secondary older retail, single story retail that is really underutilizing the site right. and build up. Yeah. I think, I think you know, again, we, we, you're going to have that, you know, a lot of the public, though, pushing back a little because, uh, you know, again, they're, we're changing neighborhoods. You know, we, we, we talk about land assembly and a lot of people are concerned that, you know, what we're going to do is to see basically a city of high rises. Is this, is this something that, you know, people should be aware of? We live in Toronto. We're, <laughs> we're, we're a global city. Yeah. So I think the people that are born and raised here, it's sometimes hard to realize and take a look at the cranes and everything, but we're no longer that small city anymore. We're a global city. We're recognized as a global city. CB recognizes us as a global city, and we're going to have that growth, and we need the density. Yeah. Listen, you, it must be exciting for you because you've been in it a long time, and you've watched you know, a complete change of you know, a province, a country. You know, like There's been so much development in the time that you've been in the industry. Um, what's the next five or ten years look like? The only thing that scares me is the outside policy is affecting development. Right. So we've had a number of issues, uh, policies put forth by the province, and they scare me and they should scare the average person that wants to buy a home or expects their children to buy a home because it's going to affect supply. You, when you say, do you mean they're, they're, they're clamping down on the ability to develop? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, you have the potential murmur of the OMB. Right. And it's it, that the OMB was the voice the development industry went to to look at some rational thinking. Without that, that's going to dramatically affect supply, 
and likewise, it's going to make it more expensive to buy a home. So the Ontario Municipal Board. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, folks, just so you know, that's kind of like governing body that uh, that controls. I would say the uh, municipalities that allow people to determine what kind of development they're going to do in the future. And if people start clamping down on that, it means that, you know, we can't get necessarily the inventory that's going to be required to satisfy the needs of a very much a growing province. We already have a dramatic decrease in supply. For the first time in the last decade, we're below 10,000 units combined between high rise and low rise. If you want to add on the potential of removing uh, the OMB, you're going to decrease that supply and you're going to increase prices. Wow. You know, interesting. Uh, Mike, listen, always a pleasure to talk to you. I'm glad that you joined me today and uh, definitely would like to have you back uh, in the future so we can stay in touch. Thank you very much. And best way for people to reach out to uh, CBRE? is uh, on our website, www.cbre.com, where you can call me directly at 416-495-6257. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Mike. Folks, that was Mr. Mike Chesikowski, and he is the Executive Vice uh, President at CBRE. Hey, listen, when we come back, we've got Minutes with the Mayor, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Uh, I just want to thank Mike Chesahosky for coming in today. Um, Folks, one of the things that uh, we always want to talk about in real estate is all aspects of real estate. And as much as we've been so focused on residential real estate, there's a whole other world in the commercial world and industrial world and all these office towers that have been there for years and there's actually a lack of them. And so having, having Mike on the show and giving us a bit of an update on where we're looking at in that market is great. But now, of course, comes one of my favorite segments uh, to do, and it's Minutes with the Mayor. And I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with the township of Georgina and the town of Georgina and whereabouts it is. So instead of me talking about it, I thought that perhaps maybe we can introduce the mayor and it's Mayor Mayor Margaret Quirk joining us on the line today. And uh, Madam Mayor, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a great privilege for us here to have mayors throughout the GTA in Ontario join us, and, and I thank you for doing that. Um, per, perhaps you can share with us, uh, you know, a little bit of information about Georgina, uh, letting everybody know the location, because I don't know, unless people are kind of heading around the Lake Simcoe area, most people aren't they going to... They may not f- be familiar. Yeah, you may not be, exactly. <laughs> so oh, maybe, maybe you. I, I always welcome the opportunity to uh, talk about uh, my community. And people might know Georgina better by the names of the communities within Georgina. Keswick, Sutton, Jackson's Point, Willow Beach, uh, the uh, Pefferla, Port Bolster, Virginia. Those are That makes up of, uh, of our community. So we're a mixture of, of urban, uh, new development, uh, rural development, uh, lakeshore, um, and then the, uh, the countryside uh, as well. So it's, it's quite a mixture of, of, uh, of a community. Right. And, and your population, I mean, that, the whole community, I, I think, is encompassed with, you know, over 45,000 people. So it, it's not a small community by any stretch. No, no we're just about, we're just under 50,000. The, the big urban centre is uh, the Keswick area, and that's where the growth is. And that's the, the really unique part of, of Georgina. If you want to buy a, a new subdivision house, a townhouse, 
Um, there's there's a new development in in Keswick and in Sutton. But if you'd like to have something with uh, a little bit more acreage or a different feel to it, there's older, uh, more mature lots in uh, in both Keswick, Sutton, Willow Beach. If you want to be uh, on on water, you have have the ability to be right on Lake Simcoe or a view of Lake Simcoe. We also have three rivers. So if you want to be out in Pefferla on the Pefferla River, um, if you want to be in the rural areas and have a bit of a uh, farm property or a larger property, there's just so much choice. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, as far as as far as industries or offices, do you do you have a bit of a, a hub there, or do you have more people that tend to commute back and forth to you know downtown Toronto? We're definitely a commuter uh, community. We would love to have more uh, business and and commercial industry into into the town. We actually do have a uh, business park that's privately owned in the uh, the Keswick area that's uh, um, draft plan approved at this point. So if there's somebody listening that's looking for uh, commercial opportunities, uh, we'd be happy to to talk with them. We're actually in the midst of doing an investment strategy to attract new businesses. The uh, the residential have have found us certainly over the number of years, and certainly with the 404 coming right up to our doorstep at Ravenshoe, um, the residential growth is there. We would love to uh, be able to attract more of the uh, the business and commercial growth. Well, you know, it's interesting because you did mention the residential growth, and of course, most of the outlying areas of the GTA are established. Um, you know, already. So you you have a little bit more landscape to work with. You know, we've kind of hit the the maximum in a few of the the cities. And, yeah, and, and some of our, our development now it's it's larger lots than you will find in in other communities. So some people are attracted to you know the single family homes with a a bit larger lot size. So we do have uh, quite a mixture of of uh, that in both the new development and our existing uh, resale homes. Right. So from a demographic, who are you finding move into your area? I mean, you know, some people, when they when they think think of Lake Simcoe, they think a little bit more of a retirement community. But are you finding you're also getting some of the younger families with younger children coming into the area? Certainly we, we are. We find uh, we're getting the mixture. We're getting the people retiring out, selling their homes, maybe in other parts of the GTA and, and moving into uh, into our community for those retirement years. But we also have a, a large uh, growth of, of young families, uh, people moving up, again, first-time home buyers, or they've uh, flipped a house in Scarborough and now want to uh, to move and have a little bit more you know, land. Uh, certainly the lake is, is one of our major uh, attractions, and we were one of the first cottage countries uh, for Toronto, back in the early 1900s, in particular Jackson's Point. So that still is an attraction to people, but they also look at the affordability of our homes. And I'm not saying our our homes are, are, uh, uh, you know, the affordable housing, but when you look at this particular market, uh, a number of people are attracted to uh, Georgina for the fact that they can still get into uh, the housing market. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you touched on that because obviously in the in the Toronto proper area, you know, prices have gone through the roof. But also in your marketplaces, you have had a steady increase. So, you know, people that have invested over the years into your marketplace have seen an increase uh, in value, of course. But mentioning affordability, I mean, you've got, you know, detached homes being built that, you know, most people would look at more towards a condo or a townhouse price. So, again, there's definitely that affordability. 
And it's yes. interesting because your your new developers are putting together some you know aesthetically some some beautiful uh, you know properties. Oh, there's some some great new developments coming on board. To, you know the existing uh, um, supply of homes in in the the new subdivisions in Keswick and Sutton, but at the the resales as well. You get into some of the areas in in Pefferla and in, in Sutton and Port Bolster. There's beautiful homes that uh, uh, you know have maybe waterfront or or a more rural feel. And, and that's the the the, the uh, good thing about Georgina. You have that choice. If you want to have a little bit more urban feel, you can go for that. If you want to be close to shopping, there's there's that. But if you want to be a little bit more out in the country and still close to all the amenities, there's there's opportunities there. So we have quite a an interesting mix. You can be right on the lake, either directly or indirectly, right on rivers, out in the rural areas, or or in a new uh, subdivision. Yeah. So one of the things that we uh, we noticed uh, over the last few weeks here in the marketplace is that after the Wynn government introduced, I would say, a shotgun approach to try to cool the real estate market, you know, they're kind of taking dead aim at foreign buyers and some speculative taxes and things like that. Would you see in your marketplace a lot of foreign investment or mostly end users? Um some of those questions are best answered by the real estate agents. They're the experts uh, in, in that side of things. Certainly, we've seen uh, you know new people coming into uh, to the community. Um, for the most part, I, I believe they're they're home purchasers. Um, some maybe are renting out uh, the, the properties for the time being, or they're investors purchasing uh, for that purpose. But uh, those, if you're looking for those details, I, I can certainly hook you up with uh, some real estate agents <laughs> that can maybe give you uh, those details a little bit more clearly than myself. Yeah. No. Excellent. Thank you. And and again, more 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 along the lines of the questions that you know, a lot of municipalities are saying that they believe that uh, you know there are foreign buyers coming into the market, and that's been driving their values. Where we've found in some of the more outlying areas, we find that it is definitely people escaping the GTA from a cost mm-hmm. perspective, but also a lifestyle. And Oh, yeah. and, and when we talk about lifestyle, um, are there are there events in the Georgina marketplace that you know happen annually? Um, you know, we've got different different marketplaces that you know they hold annual things that people are very attracted to, and you get a lot of I would call more the tourist vacationers come up. You know, you mentioned being just right there on on Lake Simcoe. A lot of people want to come for for you know long weekends. Are there events that people should be aware of, and why to visit Georgina? Oh yeah, there's a number of events, and things really kick off after the. 24th of May weekend, and we have uh, everything from our, our annual, I think it's the 162nd uh, Sutton Fair, which uh, is uh, held in August. There's other events throughout the summer. We have um, an event called Music in the Streets, which is uh, local uh, bands and, and uh, uh, musicians that play, and, and it's a, a street uh, festival with vendors that's in uh, in Keswick in, in June. And we have a, a couple unique ones in Jackson's Point called the Painted Perch, which is uh, a, an art uh, festival. Um, you get a wooden perch and you and you paint it up. And then there's vendors and, and activities for, for kids. Uh, duck races in, in Sutton off the uh, the Sutton Dam at the, the Black River. Pepperlaw has a, a wonderful uh, picnic that is organized for the kids that uh, everything is free for the kids. It's, it's quite an event. And then we have a military museum that does a military day. We have a studio tour in the fall. I can go on and on. There's uh, <laughs> home tours, garden tours. We have an art gallery and an art center that has uh, various activities throughout uh, the year. 
there's something for everybody. If you just want to come up for the, 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 the beach and the boating and the ice fishing and the, and the summertime fishing, we have that. If you want to come to our recreational outdoor complex at uh, the Civic Center, we have a, a tube and terrain hill that operates in the, the winter months, obviously. In the summer, it has a ropes course and a rock climbing, beautiful soccer pitches, um, baseball diamonds, splash pads. And we really we're unique in that we have uh, a pioneer village uh, attached to that uh, facility as well. Agriculture, e- ecotourism. There's all kinds of activities. There's something for everybody, young and old. Yeah, well, excellent. So, where do you where do you see the development over the next five years? Is it are you going to continue to grow? Or are we are we can we anticipate more uh, you know more development? Certainly, we are continuing to, to grow. Um, the, the major growth center, as I said, is, is Keswick. Um, there is uh, capacity there for, for that growth, both from a, uh, a land base, a, a supply of housing base, and by, by a, a servicing capacity. Sutton is, is growing as well. There, there's a number of developments that are ongoing there. Uh, we do have uh, sort of a, a cap on the development in that area because of our, of our servicing and what the, the plant is able to provide for servicing capacity. You're not going to see the growth in, in Pefalon, and they like it that way. They, they want to, to remain, uh, uh, you know, a quieter sort of community, larger lots. Um, there is, you know, infill going on out there, but not the, the growth that, uh, that happens in, um, in the, uh, the uh, well, particularly the Keswick area. And then we have Eudora as well. We're, we're uh, unique in the sense, too, that we uh, border uh, another region on, on that area. So we've got uh, Durham region um, and uh, Brock Township and Uxbridge Township uh, on the one side of us. And then we have the lake to the north. And then we have the rest of uh, York region uh, below us. So I'd like to say that we're, we're, we're the top of York region. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Madam Mayor, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. And we greatly no appreciate the information on Georgina. Great. Thanks for, for having me. Love to do it. Excellent. Thank you so much. Folks, that was the mayor of Georgina, Margaret Quirk, and I appreciate her joining us. So, you know a little bit more about Georgina. Definitely worth the drive. Anyways, I want to thank Ian Grant, my producer. I want to thank all my guests uh, this hour. Always great to have everyone on and joining us. And more importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in. And remember, you can hear me next Saturday at 3 p.m. So for all of us here at News Talk 1010, I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. We'll talk to you next week.